Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you're listening to episode 89 of In the Middle of It, the podcast where parents and teachers can find ideas, strategies, and resources for connecting with teens. Hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so glad that you're with me today. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Mom and Village, who left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts for the show. Now, here is what she said about In the Middle of It. Join this village. This is a wonderful podcast by a very wise and thoughtful mom. Join her village and be grounded, guided, nurtured, and challenged. Find and learn about the gift of grace. Mom and Village, oh my goodness, thank you so much. Like I read this and was just very excited and I'm so thankful that In the Middle of It has been helpful in any way to you and I appreciate your kind words of encouragement. And if for you who are listening, if the podcast has been helpful and encouraging to you, the way that you can best share that with others so that they can find this as a resource is to leave a rating. And if you're feeling especially generous, like Mom and Village, to leave a review as well. So thank you so, so much. I just wanted to tell you, Mom and Village, how much that meant to me. So thank you. Okay, so now for today's episode. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to an incredible educator who I am privileged to call friend, and I cannot wait to share the conversation that we had recently. The things that she and I share in this discussion, they're just gold, so much so that I divided our talk into two parts so that you have plenty of time to process and absorb the information. Susan Densmore James and I work together at Rachel Carson Middle School in Herndon, Virginia, teaching eighth graders. She taught English and I taught social studies and we were part of a team where we had the same set of 140-ish students that we shared with a science teaching colleague and you're gonna hear us talk about him during the course of our conversation as well. He's also an incredible educator, Kirk Treacle, and then there was also a math teacher on our team. Now, today, Susan is Dr. Dinsmore James, and she is an associate professor at the University of West Florida, and she's the director of the National Writing Project at UWF. Now, she was a classroom teacher for 17 years before attending Florida State University for a dual PhD in reading and language arts. She works now training pre-service teachers and is known as the book dealer for her work with literacy and young adult literature. And seriously, guys, she is such a smart cookie and such an incredible lady. And one of the things that I love about her most is just her ability to connect with people and to maintain relationships. She is just phenomenal. I'm so grateful that we were able to connect for this conversation because the things that we talk about are so timely right now. In this unusual season of coronavirus, this COVID-19 quarantine, and as teachers gear up to start a school year that it looks different than anything we've experienced before, Susan drops all kinds of amazing wisdom throughout our conversation. So if you're a teacher, particularly a middle school teacher, make sure you have a pen and paper ready to jot down some notes. You can also head to the episode show notes at theishgirl.com forward slash EP89 to see the highlights of our conversation. And I also have a ton of links to all the resources that we talk about. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up so that we can get into it. I am so happy to welcome Susan 
to in the middle of it. So here we go. All right. So Susan, I am so excited to have you on the show today. It's so good to reconnect with you. Like I mentioned in the intro that I just gave, we taught together many moons ago and had a great time working with some really amazing kids. And I'm telling you, like, whenever I see those, some of those kids on Facebook and I realize what, are they like in their thirties now <laughs> or close to it? Like it's crazy. They're, they're over 30. I hate to tell you that, but they're, they're over 30. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just crazy to think about, but we had a really amazing time together. I feel like we did some, honestly, some really good work with the kids. And I feel like you, you definitely were a mentor for me because you've been teaching longer than I had. And I learned a lot from you during the time that we had together. So I'm so excited to be able to share with my audience this conversation that we're about to have around everything teaching right now, because we were just talking before we officially started recording about, you know, education has definitely been transitioning in the past couple of decades, right? Because of technology and different requirements and, and, and that kind of thing. But the, the heart of teaching was the same right. in the classroom, but the how of how you delivered content, how you worked with kids changed a little bit. And the audience. The and audience. the audience. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so just, it just seems like all these different components of teaching right now, whereas before it was shifting and, you know, changing maybe a little bit slowly, things were catching up and then bam, COVID hit and everything, all of these pieces are kind of being juggled around and, and it's, and I think one of the biggest issues right now that's hard just on every level for everyone is the uncertainty of things and how quickly things are changing and, um, I think we were, you and I were both just talking about in our states, how a lot of times the government is sending down edicts and changes before school systems even know about it. And they're learning at the same time, parents and communities learning. And so it's just kind of this big, messy thing right now. It is. Yes, it is. I think, you know, you're right about the challenges and it's been a lot very quickly because mm -hmm. with the COVID, these teachers, <laughs> they are amazing. I don't think there's any other field of worker that could have handled what they were thrown. Absolutely. First, they were cope, you know, coping about COVID on their own and dealing with their own families. And then all of a sudden they had to quickly transform all their instruction online. And they were not given a platform like you know the, a university level professor like I had like canvas um, nor were they given really a toolbox they had to figure it out and and they're heroes to me um, and I watched as my 16 year old um, many of her teachers were able to take her and maintain those relationships but also move her forward in her learning crazy amazing and and it's been interesting to me to see just even like between my kiddos, where we are in the school district that we're in, and my sister who lives in a smaller town out in West Texas, and what her kids experienced and the different levels of requirements and what the teachers had to work with, what the students had to work with. It's just um, interesting to me because I think part of this to me has really heightened the awareness of 
inequity right. in, in all of this because the school systems that are not as well funded or supported really, I think, have suffered more than anyone. So before we move on, just give my audience a little bit of a flavor of what it is that you do and where you do it. I am an associate professor at the University of West Florida, which is in the panhandle of Florida. And I am a director of the National Writing Project. Um, I'm one of four sites in Florida. We have almost 200 in um, the nation. And it is the oldest research-based professional development for teachers. And it is by far the, the best professional development I ever received as a, as a young teacher. And definitely something for teachers to look into because we're transitioning online just like, like everyone else. But I'm also known as the book dealer. Yes, and which I love. I love, I love. <laughs> I was named the book dealer by one of my students because I had students from all over the school that would come to find their books. And um, it, was, it was pretty amazing when he, he called me that and it stuck. Um, but I do work with authors and publishers. And, you know, I've interviewed and written for um, many different publications about the work of young adult authors and picture books. Um, and um, I do presentations around the nation, sometimes with authors, and I, I absolutely love that aspect of my job. So, um, but I'm also a researcher. I also continue to look for new ways because we're learning more about the brain and teaching and learning than, than we understood, Amy, when we were teaching right. back in 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's mm -hmm. constantly changing. And that's, that's the only thing that's constant is change. We know that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, that's a little blip into who I am. Well, but I'm you. also a mother to a 16 year old. I and know. Yeah. Our girls are the same age, which I just find awesome. That's and it's been, it's been interesting because I, you know, I have my own little laboratory here with her and she does not like to read the types of books that I like. And so it's been very interesting to watch with her and to learn and grow with her. She has connected with some of my colleagues on a level that they enjoy nonfiction and they are constantly giving her books. Um, so it is just like it is in the classroom. Do you remember how you and I learned so much from those students? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. You know, we learn from our kids and you know, we, we cannot forget that the kids are at the focal point of this and all the change that's going on, but they can help us solve issues that come up. Well, and that is, something that I feel like is super important in a teacher's mindset, which is it's transactional. It's not just you imparting your wisdom and knowledge to the students. Like you have to be open to learning from them and inviting them in to teach you in some areas where you're, you don't have the knowledge or, or the experience even. And I think when you don't have that mindset, then you're, you're going to really struggle with control because if you have to know everything, you're going to be miserable. Right. And, you know, I think that is the, the biggest gift I received from working with you um, and working in the school district that we worked in um, was the fact that I think it was the point where I said, I don't know everything and I want to learn from you. And I think 
that doesn't have to go away with online learning. Yes. You know, we don't know, some teachers are going to be doing a hybrid form where, where they're working you know, two days a week with a group of students and another two days with a group of students. And some of them are gonna be completely online. Um, and some of them are gonna go back to you know, brick and mortar. Um, so we, we can't forget what works in the classroom can work online too. I mean, there are a lot of different strategies that can be used online that I have realized over the course of you know these few months. Um, and I've learned new. I've, I have new tools in my toolkit. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, would you be willing to share just off the top of your head? Can you share a couple of those that have really absolutely. worked well for you? Absolutely. I have been using a lot of the Zoom rooms. Um, I think you have to look at it a little bit differently for, for K-12 than you do for college. But, you know, in my Zoom rooms, you can set them up to, to be random, you, and the teacher can be in control. And in those classrooms, you would have to schedule them for different times in the day. It, like a jigsaw, where you separate them out, and they do some work together, and then they can all come back as a group um, to discuss their findings. And kids love doing this. My college students love it. Task, my first task was I gave them all I ever needed to know I learned from kindergarten. And you send them out in the Zoom rooms and you have them discuss which one rule should be the classroom rule. And they have to do claim, get, make their claim, give their evidence, give their reasoning. Then they come back in and we discuss as a group what our classroom rule will be. Okay, so I didn't know about Zoom rooms until I actually did a, an online a virtual conference, and it was amazing I to know. be taken from this, this, there were probably about 30 of us, and they just sent us out, and there, I was in a group of four, and we talked, and then we came back together. So what I'm hearing you say is that the instructor can peek in on each of those rooms and kind of oversee them. So, okay, that's fantastic. Right, and you know, we have to monitor what's going on. Yes. Um, yes. You know, parents want to feel like their kids are safe and the conversations are safe. Um, but, you know, if there's advice that I could give any teacher right now is building community at first yes. is the most important. And, you know, think about this. If you're teaching them about the Google Drive, how to use Google Drive or Google Docs. And if you're teaching them how to use these rooms appropriately, they are learning, you know, and then they're collaborating. Um, they're reading the reading text. So it doesn't have to be, you know, coming up with a rule for a classroom, but that sure is a good way to build community. And what do we know about rules? Well, kids are going to follow them when they're the ones that come up with them. So, you know, right. this, this is an excellent way to do that. You know, all these community building activities like that can tie in with your content, whether it be something like um, stick figure characterization is a strategy I always used, but you can have the kids complete their stick figure on themselves first to introduce themselves to their classmates. Because you remember, you know, Amy, these teachers are going to have a brand new group of kids. Right. In spring, it was easier because 
they had those kids all year long. They had built that rapport, but teachers need to really consider what can I do online in those little rooms and then as a group that can build that community and it can happen. There's no doubt. I've seen it happen with my students and, and I recommend, you know, take that time, build that community. It's very important. So I'm curious with that because I know like when we taught, um, we spent a, a, a good week, if not two weeks at the beginning of the year in our classroom. Like we paid that time up front in order to set up our systems and to create that community and that kind of connection and, and all of that. Do you think it will take longer with the online format, like do you, and I know it's gonna be different for everyone and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot with this, but what, what time frame would you recommend for relationship building and? and I think it's going to take longer. You're yeah, going to that's have what I would think. Um, you know, but there are many ways you can do this. The more they see of the teacher, the more they're going to feel connected to the teacher. So. It doesn't have to be just group work. It can be something as simple as doing a first chapter Friday where you're reading a book and you're modeling strategies with the kids and you're showing them your thouts about what you're reading, doing the think alouds, you know, um, sharing with them. I think you're going to have to really be a little bit more vulnerable than usual. And that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When they see us in the class and they see us trip over our shoelaces or come to school with different earrings in our ears, they, they yeah. see that and, and, you know, it's funny and, and we are just naturally vulnerable there, but you're going to have to show that side to them on camera. That's very well, and I Yeah. And I think that vulnerability piece is huge in this whole new environment that we're in. I think we were talking about this beforehand too how different this is, not just with our students, but also with parents, with colleagues, with the administration too, I think. Just this whole, it, it's almost like having a camera, it is having a camera on you and your instruction and anyone can pull it up at any time. And, and that's, that, especially for newer teachers, might be a little nerve wracking, I would imagine. I agree with you and I think it's going to be critical for teachers to also establish this rapport with the parent. I wholeheartedly agree. And this is something that I've talked about a couple of times on in the middle of it, where um, that relationship is crucial and the, the better it is, the better it is for students. So absolutely. What kind of strategies or things do you think teachers can use while doing, you know, e-learning and that kind of thing to connect with parents then? Well, I think one thing you have to remember is nothing is going to be perfect. And you need to set that tone with parents. I think the word for the year needs to be grace. And I think you need to think multimodal. You know, you need to get your plan together of how your classroom will work online and articulate that to parents. And I would do that through writing and through video. Let them see who you are. <laughs> you know, they're going to work with you when they know that you're a person. If you get scared right. of the camera, that's, you know, not a good thing. And 
I worry about my teachers because I know that we are perfectionists. But you have to let go of that in order to move forward. Yes. I'm just going to throw out this quote that I got from this conference that I did where 70% right is perfect. 100% right is failure. Oh, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. With what, was the reasoning? what was the reasoning behind that? That if you're trying to hit a hundred percent, then a, a lot of times you're not going to complete or, or share or put out whatever it is that you're working on. So if you can be comfortable with it being 70%, okay, then you're going to get a lot more traction and, and put things out and actually make more of an impact because you're doing it versus holding on to it and trying to make sure, you know, you're polishing it until it's exactly right. Right. You can hold on to that a lot longer. You know, that's one part of this whole debacle because there's no other word but debacle. Yeah. Um, that I think that's really come out of this is that it has slowed us down as a society. It has allowed us to be reflective. And isn't that what learning should be? Yes. It doesn't have to be hurried. It needs to be slow. And, and we learn more from failure than we do from earning 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's messy. And I think being it messy is uncomfortable, but being able to embrace messy is going to serve you a lot better than anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. Okay. So showing up with parents, making sure you have your plan in place, communicating it really well, by doing it in writing and doing it on video and being willing to show up imperfectly, perfect, imperfectly perfect and be vulnerable. Okay. Okay. Thank you again, Susan, for all that you shared. Just to reiterate what those takeaways are, Susan's advice for best practices this year are show up with the parents of students, have a plan in place when the year begins, Communicate that plan in writing and on video and be willing to show up imperfectly and vulnerably. Now, next week, please be sure to catch the second part of my conversation with Susan as we talk about collegiality and communicating with other educators as you navigate the school year. I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out today. If, again, this is something that has helped or encouraged you in any way, I would encourage you to pass it on to someone else who might need it. And if you're feeling especially generous, I would love for you to leave a rating and review of In the Middle of It on Apple Podcasts, because that truly is the best way to help others find the show. Okay, friends, from an ish girl who is trying to get her firstborn prepped and ready to fly the nest and move into a dorm in a couple of weeks, which I can barely say that without tears. I am so glad to be in the middle of it together.